Welcome to episode 384 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my uh, racially diverse co-host, Peter and Jake. That's right. I am the one with the brown hair. Um, and we're coming at you with... Ah, screw off, Jake. Uh, we're coming at you with the Dracula Flow edition of the cast. The pure poetry coming out of that man's mouth has inspired me to go on P- to the next Peter, level. Peter has the painted yeah. on black hair, much yes. like I, I, I thought you said facially diverse, like facial hair diversity. And I, I thought, yeah, okay, we've got that. Got that going for us now. We were just a beard club. <laughs> yeah. As, well, as yeah. it should have been. I'll, I'll get it back. I'll grow it back. Don't worry. Right now, we're, I guess you call us the under. No, we all racially diverse. We've got, we've got an Irish guy, a German guy, and an yeah. Italian guy. It's no, racially no, diverse. It's, it's, it is the beginning of a, they walked into a bar joke. And, yeah. Which. Or the secret alliance, a potential world war. Out of nowhere, out of left field, we have Ireland joining Finally the get Axis. Britain in the pincer attack. <laughs> Him from both sides. <laughs> Ireland was uh, was a neutral party. They could have gone I, either way. You know, in in my my fan timeline, I think that Ireland definitely was a part of the Axis, and that was just what was missing. <laughs> that was the one piece of the pie that would have set. Yeah. Your fan timeline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big Mussolini I mean, stand, hey, are you? Gotta gotta support Patria. The reminds me of the time the Unibomber bomber. <laughs> He put up his theory crafting post on Tumblr. <laughs> Mark's Mark started the like the what if he one. had what if what if no nah, yeah he put up his like by the proletariat his fan like, fiction we are... <laughs> yeah the Unabomber had some real real interesting thoughts on who should get together <laughs> in one piece. <laughs> 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 that's what's in that that's what's in that house in the fucking uh in that garage in the FBI black site or whatever. You know. It's just like reams <laughs> of Luffy X Zoro fan. We fiction. were willing to look 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 past your crimes until we saw your your fan picks, your who you shipped, and um we're not a fan, so uh jail. <laughs> Death. <laughs> we're getting scarily close to that time though. When like somebody fucks up and we just search their like Tumblr blog and be like, "You wrote fan fiction for My Little Pony four years ago, and now you want to run for president?" I think we are. I think we're at that point yeah. in time now. Well, you see, I don't think we're. I don't think anything can disqualify you for running for president yeah. anymore. It used to be that way. <laughs> there used to be some standards, but those, hey man, those I'm have just waiting long for since the left Bober, us. You know, time to put in her ticket yeah. because if, if if this fucking like theater scandal can't uh, like send her into just uh, political purgatory, then I don't know what will. It's all. It's all good now at this point. I think you just have to like actually murder someone with incontrovertible witness yeah. evidence. 
<laughs> I think that's it. Because, I mean, we got we got a guy who's facing down a lot of felonies. We'll see how that shakes out. But I think, <laughs> judging by the discourse around this, I think you'd actually have to kill someone at this point to it's disqualify kind of not, yourself enough, from office. Like, I mean, Trump even said it on, like, on the... Uh... When he was running, he was like, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and people would still vote for me. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the problem. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not something that's that not cool. we want to hear. You know? <laughs> the fact that we care so little about your misdeeds that we would look past murder. But no, the Biden family, the cri- Biden crime family can't uh, make any yeah. money. <laughs> Dude was so poor, Obama had to give him uh, cancer money for his son Bo. Like, he's failing at being a politician. He's been in politics for three thousand years. You got to bring those embezzlement numbers. <laughs> yeah, up. he's embezzled less money. <laughs> those are rookie numbers. I know he doesn't even have the money for his son's <laughs> cancer treatments. Dude, you can't even embezzle properly. <laughs> How you fit Meanwhile, to run Nancy the nation? Nancy Pelosi is like, yeah, <laughs> fuck it. I'm 90 next year. Let's run again. I need more crypto stonks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really weird that I found myself in the news this week uh, really being like, man. Mitt Romney's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all like that. <laughs> we're all like, oh shit. Kind of, maybe this guy should have been in office. <laughs> maybe I should have voted for him. <laughs> maybe this would have avoided the cataclysmic slide into where we are now if was Romney had the won the 2012 for the election. Darkest timeline. I always thought it was Harambe. Is when we shifted, we veered off course. No, maybe maybe turning point was the turning, turning point. point you <laughs> when that was created. Uh, I want to see someone like I'm looking for directions on my American road trip. I need to go to Turning Point USA. <laughs> well, as always, we are coming at you live from the castle in Gettysburg, uh, where the Titans practiced. Um, and and yeah. had borderline child abuse. <laughs> Football Hogwarts. Football Hogwarts with borderline child abuse. Yeah, they're just pushing the kids hard. <laughs> Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. Uh, water breaks. Water breaks. So I was winners. watching that movie, and and I was like, you know what? I I've seen this movie, but like I don't know when I sat through it all. This is definitely one of those movies where I'm mm-hmm. like. I know everything that's going on, but I could not tell you the time I sat through the entire movie. I feel like I just watched it piecemeal, and like, yeah, yeah, I watched that movie. Just sort of absorbed it all together and stitched it. This is actually like the 23rd anniversary month of this movie. It came out September 29th of 2000. So that was definitely in no (laughs) way... A happy coincidence. Well, I mean, it was, it all kind of was was destined to come together, right? Because we chose this because we're like, oh, it's football season, football time. Let's watch a football movie. And I'm assuming that was the same feeling when they released this thing. It was like, oh, we'll release it in the fall when football season is starting. Mm-hmm. It'll, yeah. it'll fit it. It's like watching, 
it's like watching uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on, on Christmas and being surprised that it's coming out uh, on an anniversary month, you know? Yeah. But we're making some new anniversaries. Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, but really, it does mean Trey Watch. That's what it means. That's that was uh, well, well, well handled. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing on here that's going to be well handled. Because um, man, these there's some dropped balls in this uh, this week. <laughs> um, oh, let's start with everyone. Let's start with the internet's favorite punching bag, uh, Marvels. The IMAX teaser. Oh, right, yeah. Whatever. Is there any new yeah. footage that came out of this? I mean, we get to see the flurg. Uh, yeah, I. They did. They did put a lot of new visual footage in here. Um, and they're doing like a f- something further, faster. It's like we'll see how it actually does. You know, that's, that's, I want to see the. Parallels between yeah, the first it's... movie. Um, it seems like they just took the first movie and said, "Let's just have more of that," because they have the cat that's the Flurgan or whatever in there. And he's back, mm-hmm. but there are more, so they're just like multiply it by three. Oh, we we've Captain Marvel. I'm, I'm multiply it by three. So now I, I'm kind of interested because I I previously did not. A- expect that this movie would would have a lot of financial success however the state of the box office now and especially into the future is not great so there's a chance based there's a chance that the marvels could have a war with grandpa like run here that's true we'll see what sticks around as the uh as the movies the movie scene dries up my favorite comment on this is from uh gabriel incognito 8855 i'm paid to be excited about this movie the, this will uh, be the best on this trailer are not positive um now now what are the neither is, is the like to dislike like? ratio <laughs> It's four hundred and sixty-two up to oh, three point four thousand um, down. The <laughs> comments bring you something along the lines of, "I have been excited. I have been excited for an MCU movie in years, and this isn't going to change." I think I think they meant to say, "I haven't been excited for an MCU movie in years." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Somebody said, "I can wait to see this movie." Uh, somebody else said, "Dozens of people are excited." I saw th- Wait, this was Dune a great 2 got delayed? Was like, um, it's not here anymore, but paraphrase. Like, if 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 Captain Marvel was their big um, female empowerment, like, uh, solo character, why in both her movies was she with other MCU heroes that were in other movies? Why isn't she in her movie as her own, as her own character with her own cast entirely? Because that's not how the MCU works anymore. It's all got to be connected. You can't tell a standalone story, Peter. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, they're, they're in a lot of ways they are taking after the comics quite well because that's a lot of what later comics were were just like crossover events and you know cameos from other 
And the yeah, they went a little wild with uh, crossovers, and I want to say the '90s, and that yeah. led to a decrease in sales after a while because people got sick of all the you know super crossovers. Like every every time sales would dip a little bit, they'd do a giant crossover event like a Secret War or Maximum Carnage or some shit like that, and mm-hmm. you know no one wants to go down by the next issue of web of spider-man and see like 60 little pop-ups see captain america issue 364 or whatever <laughs> you're like what this is a spider-man book why are you having captain america to understand what's understand going it, on here because like the if you look at the if you look at the past movies that have come out um you, you I, i'd like to see when you compare the first of a series to sequels and then to like collaboration events um and MCU has always been about the collaboration events sell like crazy, like Civil War, Avengers, Endgame, Infinity War. I think I think the the turning point was um not really Winners a little bit Winter Soldier, but more so Age of Ultron, I think, is when they stopped just doing movies with yeah, the hero in question. You, you before that you, yeah, and before that had you to had bring Iron in everyone. Man, Thor, Captain America, all standalone movies, and they saved that like tie-in for the stinger at the end, which is. And even the sequels were yeah, largely standalone. standalone. Now it's like for, for those guys, this, this Captain Marvel sequel is a mix of Kamala's story and. The WandaVision story of a character, by the way, who was completely introduced in a Disney Plus series that the general movie going audience might very well have no idea who they are. Yeah. How much of the movie are they going to spend on I mean, I on her com- character? You know, it getting does the audience really up to speed. On how they how they treat it in the movie if they like force you to have to watch those. I don't think they're going to do that, but it. I mean, who knows? Uh, Ahsoka's a really good example of that, which just had their um, the the penultimate episode um, this last Tuesday, uh, which was widely received as like one of the better episodes, like pieces of Star Wars out there. And that series has a ton of information from Rebels and Clone Wars. You have Ahsoka, who's introduced into Clone Wars. And you have all the other characters introduced in Rebels. So it's like, everybody's kind of like, has no idea what's going on. And they're doing a decent job um, of like, not forcing you to watch those other products. They'll give you enough information. But if you want to have more of the pie, you can go see those supplementary pieces later. So I... I'm hoping that's how they treat this, but it's a really fine line between be confusing the audience um, and like forcing them to have to go watch the other shit. Yeah, and I, that's all on the Marvel side. I feel like I, I I'm still enjoying what DC is doing in terms of like I've I got to start reading those comics because I'm starting to see videos of like comic summaries. I'm seeing seeing stuff from like Last Night on Earth. And night terrors and that shit is just that's just wild that's out in left field they're just going just going for it 
That's an interesting take on on the comics. Rather than trying to cross over everything, it's like you have your core of characters that everyone fucking knows to death right now. We're just going to keep putting them in like AU kind of situations. And not to say that uh, Marvel isn't doing that, right? How many different... like the, That's the whole premise of the fucking Spider-Verse is people have been iterating on that and messing with the settings for a long time now. Yeah, I mean, they all do this, and, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like, you know, I'm not sure anyone really would have had high expectations for Marvel Zombies had the comic not been an unexpected hit. Yeah. <laughs> With kind of a, a strange concept to push. Did that come out? When, um, when? And kind of dull, because a lot of... Uh, that's, like, super visual. Like, there's very little written, because the zombies don't talk. Like their speech bubbles are literally just. Let's say when did ellipses. it come out? <laughs> um, I I want to say the first Marvel Zombies is like circa 2007. Okay. So that was around. That was still around like when zombies kind of had their heyday. Like everybody was making the zombies movie, and Walking Dead was out killing it. So I wonder. I wonder yeah, if that was also see. just uh, happenstance for. The, uh yeah, Marvel Zombies is a five-issue limited series published from December two thousand five to April two thousand six, and then they did a couple of different runs. They did another. I think they did three. Uh, they've probably done more since. Um, a sequel. Yeah, Marvel Zombies two was published from oh seven to oh uh, eight, and then uh. Marvel Zombies 3 commenced on October 2008. Marvel Zombies 4, 09. Oh, wow. Yeah, they kept going with these. <laughs> five. I think okay. they stopped at five. And that came out in 2010. Speaking of uh, a series that should have stopped, we've got a. Uh, well, we got the second Aquaman movie coming out and um it's <laughs> full real, real full series trailer. there <laughs> well let's just stop the one i think <laughs> i mean i feel like we've seen a lot of aqua i feel like we've seen I a lot would of aquaman agree. honestly after uh because <laughs> he's the only had, one who's still yeah, we had the justice league still around. movie we had aquaman and then we had like him pop up another product i think in he was in uh, one of the Flash and, and then, credit scenes. Yeah, he's just hanging around. Yeah, he had, he had cameos, and now... And then he also had the Snyder cut, so I feel like that's not fair, but it's another one. Um, now we have the second movie, The Lost Kingdom, where uh, nobody new is introduced, really? It's Nope, kind of, it's... It's kind of the same as no. the first one, um, because Black yeah. Manta's back. Uh, oh, there's a baby, I guess, now. There's, there's a baby. So, yes. uh, Tamora Morrison's back um, as the dad. Um, Black Manta's back as the main antagonist. Um, After getting clowned on repeatedly in the previous movie, we're now expected to take him as a credible threat because the trailer said, oh, he's stronger than before now. He's got got green eyes. (laughs) Or did he have the helmet? He had the helmet in the last one. And still still needs to fucking uh, have breather tubes connected to the helmet, which I feel like, 
you know, someone could just pull off and deal with the threat. Super <laughs> obvious weakness. Yeah. Like, even the same director, but he's um, at a green trident now. So, uh, they're doing the whole mirror battle. Um, yeah. That I, I love. I'm you, but evil. Yeah. He's got the dark trident. It was like when we were watching um, uh, Blue Beetle. And the uh, antagonist transformed into evil blue <laughs> like the same evil blue beetle. Like, oh, Jake's gonna Can't hate this to one. It. <laughs> it's it's so meaningful because he's like me, but like with the dark aspects. Yeah, and what makes him a real Man. hero is uh, the person see. behind the mask. <sighs> yeah, and he's gonna say, "You and I aren't so different." He's like, no. So this no, is can't be true. this is their last gap here. Yeah, I haven't seen a thematic I don't know what move it's... this crazy since the episode of Jackie Chan Adventures where they get the tiger talisman. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is kind of DC's last gasp yeah, here, and it's not. Uh, I think great. this is probably the last, the last movie that they probably have far along in the pipeline you got to imagine with the the strikes and all the financial unrest at uh at Warner I'm, Brothers I'm Discovery right that, now. Uh James Gunn is taking this time to diligently write the next two decades of DC movies for us. Uh, because yeah, this is this doesn't look any different from what we've seen in the past. It's the same kind of underwater kind of hey look at look at our cool society and how we're, we're advanced against people trying to kill it mirror battles amber heard still as mira um yeah this is making namor's civilization look pretty badass like i thought it was really dumb when they did the uh yeah well i think yeah the atlanteans and uh yeah, Marvel MCU cool, are were a lot cooler than um, than all the Atlanteans in DC, except for <laughs> except for um uh, the, Brine the Brine Nation, of course. Which I have not seen. The Kingdom their returns, of the Brine, but I am hoping that they come back. Oh, they reference yeah. the Seven Kingdoms, so got got to hope gotta, that that so, they're in there. Yeah. Best best part of the last movie. I still don't know the what Brian the Kingdom. Lost Kingdom is, but it seems like they might do a journey to the center of the earth kind of thing where they gotta go find a MacGuffin. I think the Lost Kingdom is the kingdom of like the 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 Zombo Atlanteans where yeah. the Dark Trident comes from. Yeah. That would be my be. guess. Somehow he returned with the Dark Trident. Somehow, <laughs> I love this at the. Oh my god, that's actually a, a written yep. thing in a two hundred fifty million dollar budget movie. Um, the last thing about this trailer is this fucking. Uh, this feels desperate uh, when it shows the date. So this is going to be a Christmas movie, December twentieth. Film for IMAX. Text Aquaman to the number on the screen to dive into the DC community. No, it's like actually the 25th, I think. It says only in theaters December 20th. Okay, so that's weird. So on the in the actual trailer, it says the 20th. In the, oh, yeah, in the description it says the 25th. Are they, are they planning on delays? <laughs> or did they... 
Maybe the IMAX is opening five days early. Maybe. <laughs> oh boy, can't wait to get the the premiere in IMAX. Film for IMAX. Well, if if Regal throws a free IMAX ticket say, my way, um, I'll see you in IMAX. Both those dates are weird. The twentieth is w- in Wednesday, <laughs> so. Yeah, movies don't I'm typically like, come out on Wednesdays. Well, I guess what? Wednesday previews, maybe? Like early access, limited run. Usually it's Thursday night. But I, maybe maybe Thursday day, too. And midnight releases are so fucked. Or maybe they just got it wrong in the trailer. <laughs> maybe they did. Maybe they meant the 22nd, because that's a Friday. 22nd is a Friday. 25th isn't even right. That's a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and, Christmas. and Christmas, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know people go see like movies on Christmas, but but not a premiere. Yeah, Jews need something to do. <laughs> They're gonna have a hard time farming the views on this one. It'll be a real dark harvest. Maybe maybe that's why they're releasing like, it early <laughs> because they don't want people to necessarily have to go out and see it on on Christmas or or like close to Christmas. So they're. I know people are traveling for the holidays starting Friday. Well, there's always releases on Christmas because they got to give something for the the Jewish folk to do on that day. Um, But I don't think it speaks very highly of this movie's quality that they slated it for Christmas release. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, we got to put it's it's max of we have to put out one more movie this year. Yeah, it, it smacks of if we release this over Christmas, we can blame that for the poor box office. Yeah. Um, it'll be. Uh, where do we want to go from here? I don't know. Well, I guess speaking of holidays, yeah, well, all right, we'll, we'll do Dark Harvest. Well, yeah, it's September. It's almost October. It It's spooky season, as some would say. That means we got to shovel out all our shovelware horror films. Busting out. Yeah. Um, so we'll hit the big three. We'll hit kind of three in a row here quick. Um, Dark Harvest, as I saw in the comments, a reverse children of the corn. I think this is the same plot as jujitsu where there's an (laughs) evil force that comes once a year and you have to select uh, a group of group of kids to go out and fight the thing. Yeah, it is kind of kind of that way. Um, I, it, it, it's, it's, it's set up, the trailer's a little vague, so it's set up to kind of be like as Peter describes, but you could also easily interpret it as being like a Halloween kills type thing where, uh, you know, old Sawtooth Jack or whatever (laughs) rises from the cornfield every year and kills a couple people. But now the town's like, we got to put a stop to this Sawtooth Jack. (laughs) This is it's it looks like a really you know, kind of weird, interesting premise. I'm interested to see what they'll do with it, because like there's also this like apparently this is a thing that happens all the time. But there's also like an aspect to of like the one kid, he, he's jealous of his brother who like got an award for doing it last time. So there's like a weird. Yeah, like, that's small what town, I don't understand. Like, All star kind of dynamic in here. Um, yeah, so Dark Heart, it's based on a book. Um, let's see what the book says. 
novel is set in an unnamed western hamlet where each year all of the young men take part in a yearly ritual where they hunt down a giant pumpkin-headed creature that arises from the corn, known as both Sawtooth Jack and the October Boy. They are tasked with catching the creature before it makes it to the hamlet's... October Boy. They are tasked with catching the creature before it makes it to the hamlet's church, which it must do before midnight in order to win the ordeal. Girls are forbidden from participating or being outside during the hunt. The winner of the hunt receives the ability to leave the hamlet, something not otherwise possible. And his family is given a new home, car, and a year free from bills. Wow, that's... Those are some high stakes. I wonder if it's an allegory for anything. Yeah, so, Jim, that is kind of the friction. Uh... Unbeknownst to the participants, the truth behind the ritual is far darker than they would expect. While the winner's family does receive the prizes, the winning bo- the winning boy is killed so they may become the new creature the following year oh. when he is resurrected as a gnarled <laughs> monster with a <laughs> pumpkin head. Do we just spoil it? <laughs> oh. Well, it depends. It depends yeah. if the they stay well, to I that was, I was, in the, this is the like movie right or not. For having some, even the trailer kind of um, this book okay. came out in 2006. I, mean, <laughs> I think that will pass the spoiler the warning gave, territory like, there. Credence to some sort of like big twist where they're like, you know, I can't participate this year. Yada yada. My brother did it last year. Maybe that's why, because they don't want to have to kill their brother. Um, and it it's a it's a cool premise. I, I do like the the premise. I, I maybe the town is doing the evil thing. Maybe they're setting it up for. For setting themselves up for something, yeah. Well, it so, it sure sounds like that's that's interesting, <laughs> that's and it's got my the my favorite aesthetic, the greaser aesthetic, the nineteen sixties uh, <laughs> uh, greasers versus the soches. Yeah, it's more of like fifties there. I think fifties when I think greasers, but yeah, same kind of deal. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna do it for Johnny, and then Johnny's gonna become the pumpkin boy. <laughs> He's gonna become the October boy. Um, Pony boy, Pony boy, you're the October you boy tell now. Me I got my leather jacket with bandits painted on the back. Huh? Come on, whoa, yeah, whoa. yeah. Let me whoa. slick back my hair. Ghost, Ghost Rider prequel. Um, next up for our October slew, our October slop tunnel. Uh, it's total, totally killer. Um, so time travel. Meta teen movie, dark yeah. comedy, hot, hot tub time machine. Um, it, this feels like a Happy Death Day kind yeah. of vibes. Yeah, it's the it's. I, I'm almost certain it's from the same director or producer or whatever. Um, it is. Yeah. It is very so similar. The survive the daughter of the last girl from an '80s thriller movie has to go back to 1980 times. Or 1987, and um, stop the stop the killing of the other girls, and stop the whole thriller uh, kill killing spree from happening. It's like Back to the Future, but with murder. Yeah, stab to the future. Something. And like then that. there's tons um, of comparisons, and it's with like, oh yeah, in the future they're all doing TikToks, and oh, this is what all this like leaves and twigs like. 
I uh I can get this amount in a gummy. One one gummy can give me this high. Yeah. Some some cute like anti eighties nostalgia yeah. jokes. Um this'll be good. I think this is good because like as I was talk I've been talking with with people around the office with my with my other friends for the last few days and we're like the horror genre is so chunky at this point that they are you are kind of implicitly doing this, but they I feel like we should explicitly start div- subdividing it into smaller horror genres. And this is the this is like the comedy horror kind of genre. So for people who don't want to get like legit scared or like are are a little more yeah. sensitive to that stuff. Um, this will be something we're yeah. like, oh, I get to see a scary October movie, but there will be some jokes in it, so it'll be a little lighter. Yeah, so, like, um, my girlfriend and I just recently started watching slash rewatching Ash vs. the Evil Dead, and that's kind of the same sort of premise, right? Where There's some legit horror stuff in there that is, you know, in a vacuum, pretty pretty spooky, but... It's all through the lens of your doofus main character who just falls ass backwards into success yeah. every time. So like you're not you're not ever really super scared. <laughs> yeah. It's it And I'm I'm totally fine with this kind of movie being a thing. Like it's like Scoville levels yeah. for for spice. So you've got your more your more mild, your like jalapeno horror movies. Habanero horror. And then and the then you got your habanero horror, and then pepper. your ghost pepper horror. Yeah. <laughs> Those are your exorcists of the world. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is this is kind of, this is relatively mild. And then finally, um, we have the beautiful horror sequel, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. That's right. We have a colon Bloodlines movie. That's how you know it's quality. <laughs> I uh, can't wait for the third one, Pet Cemetery colon Revelations. Yeah. And the fourth one, Pet Cemetery Resurgence. <laughs> um Pet Cemetery Vengeance. Yeah, so more more cemetery, more more speeding trucks. <laughs> when will... More more <clears throat> bearing things. More more when sometimes dead's better. <laughs> yeah. Truck Coon came straight out of a fucking anime. I want, I want to see the Pet Cemetery Isekai movie. That's why they come back different. It's because they had a whole fucking Isekai anime happen. <laughs> come back, dude. That that is actually They're just a fucking weeb. A really good idea for an anime. I could see Japan doing some clever shit with that. We're see, we're seeing more Western uh, Japanese crossovers. You know. And my response to uh, to the existence of Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, to paraphrase a quote from the 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 book, sometimes books better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna get out of making a sequel to a novel when you don't have any like you don't, you got no source material to pull from. Yeah, and like Pet Cemetery, I I feel like that's. You do that concept once, and it's pretty well worn. Like we know what happens when you bury a person in the pet cemetery. Yeah, <laughs> like we've seen it before. <laughs> Why do it again? But now there's—I don't know if they're like they're carrying the curse with them. But now there's like another person. Yeah, it's another person who's brought back, and it's like 
I guess if you really want just more, right? Go back to the buffet, get another scoop, slop it off the line, watch it on Paramount Plus. You know, I just had a weird thought apropos of nothing. It's one of those intrusive, well, not, it's an intrusive thought, but not like the intrusive thought that you have at like a Domino's convention where you're like, what if I knock that over? It was, it was a thought like, if you used a shrink ray on someone, wouldn't they like be crushed under their own increased density? That's uh... because their mass would have to be the same, right? Because matter can't be created or destroyed. You're just reducing the volume, so now you've made a person super well, dense. That's the, that's the <laughs> and their lungs even function. Like, how does your shrink ray work? Yeah. Um, there are so many ways that you die if you use a shrink ray. Um, just the human body is not built to be that small. Yeah. Um, that was yeah, like the even if it all worked out and you were able to be you at a tiny size and everything kind of worked like that, one you would have a brain one one hundredth of your size, like that <laughs> is going to be a factor. And two, um, you just wouldn't be able to like breathe. Like, there's a reason that yeah, I don't think your blood, I don't think your yeah. heart could pump your blood or, or at that be point. Able to, like, probably yeah. metabolize the the amount of oxygen needed or something like that. Yeah, like there's a reason arthropods and like insects and stuff don't have lungs. They have like pores, <laughs> which is coincidentally why there's so many dead bugs in our our dust factory. Because <laughs> there's fine grained <laughs> rocks floating in the air that are pretty liable to get stuck in your your breathing holes if you're a little insect. Dude, I was look. I looked inside. I looked at a fan, and there was just like a dead, a long years dead dragonfly chilling in the the like outer shell. It was wild. <laughs> oh no! Hey, one. All right, slight technical difficulty, but Come, we're back online here. We did. And sometimes dead's better because this show's going to get a whole lot nastier and weirder as we oh we boy. wrap up Trey Watch here with with the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, and I'll I'll give you three guesses as to who the director of this, this movie one. is. The most planimetric uh, movie you've ever fucking seen. I wouldn't be surprised if he just does the entire thing. In in only planimetric shots, he's just like I'm oh, doing this yeah. all. I'm never <laughs> I mean, doing this, it again. It's y'all, every sh- y'all are clowning on me for this shit. So it's the only way I'm gonna do it for this one. I'm gonna get it out of your system. Yeah, like the trailer, every shot is is framed the exact same way. Um. Nearly every shot. Um, it looks fine. It it it's very very reminiscent of Grand Budapest Hotel, which is not, in my opinion, a bad thing. I think that's one of his best movies. Um, and this has got a strong uh, cast uh, with some frequent collaborators like L- Ralph uh, Fiennes and um, some new faces like Benedict Cumberbatch. I think Dave Dev Patel has been in Wes Anderson movies before. Yeah. Um, but Richard Iowata is an interesting contributor. I'd, I'm intrigued to see how his, you know, comedic style fits into a Wes Anderson movie. Cause 
Wes Anderson has a particular way of writing dialogue that's very characteristic. And uh, Richard Ayoade has a uh, very specific delivery. <laughs> and they're not similar. So I'm interested to see how that's reconciled. Yeah, man is man is pumping out movies. Love that. Love that for what's Yeah, on. that's another thing. Like this is this is coming out day after my birthday, uh September twenty seventh on Netflix. Um but that's that's I I don't think he's ever had two movies come out in the same year before, has he? I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe he had just let them like he delayed one, the del- at least the release of one for a while, and it just. I suppose out. it's possible. I don't know. Well, let's let's check his old filmography here. Let's let's get to the bottom of this mystery here. Has he ever? I mean, it looks. It, <laughs> every Wes Anderson movie looks really good um, until I watch it, and then they're just okay because it's just a very unique kind of movie. Like, um, what was the one that we just watched? The Asteroid yeah. City was looked really nice in the trailer. Asteroid City was was a a bad movie, a bad Wes Anderson yeah. movie. I I don't I feel like more often than not I'm I'm left satisfied by his movies. Um, but that was a case where yeah. that was a major letdown. Because it was just, it was way too weird a concept. It was super meta, like, play within a play mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah, so I don't... Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if that that's where it kind of took a um, a leap too far. Um, and, and now... Maybe, maybe that's why he did the two movies in the same year. Because maybe he felt that he was, you know, trying something a little too out there with Asteroid City. Yeah. Which oh by the way, Asteroid City currently sitting at six point six on IMDb, <laughs> so we were right. <laughs> Defenders of that movie, um, that he wanted to make a more characteristic movie. It's kind of like Guy Ritchie right. this year, where he did Operation Fortune, which is a very Guy Ritchie kind of movie, and then also The Covenant, which is not right. a very so Guy Ritchie you know, kind of movie. We've always talked about actors doing one for you, one for me movies, but now we're you know we also have directors who who want to do that. Although they probably have a little bit more yeah. freedom in uh, in their choice, I believe that no, oh, no. In two thousand seven, the Dergeerling Limited and Hotel Chevalier. Oh, that was a short. Never mind. Which he is also coming out with a short. I'm I think sure. this is the first time. Uh, let me look it up. Um, yeah. Like, this is the first time I believe he's ever done uh, the movies, uh, two movies, two feature movies. That's interesting. He did Bottle Rocket start as a short before in 1994 before they mm-hmm. flushed it out into a whole movie. That explains a lot about that movie because it does not have a full yeah. movie's worth of content. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, he's bringing... Okay, so... Oh, all right. So this is actually a short... Henry Sugar is actually a short film as a part of four short films. Um, the oh, I coming see. with The Swan, The Rat Catcher, and Poison, which I believe are all Roald Dahl stories. 
They are. That you know what Wes Anderson is the perfect person to yeah. direct Roald Dahl stories. Yeah, honestly, that is absolutely right up his alley. Um, yeah. So the wonderful story of Henry Sugar is going to be. Four, it's so weird that they're advertising this as a feature. It's forty minutes. Yeah, oh, the wow. Swan is the Swan is seventeen. That's Rat Catcher is yeah, seventeen that's... and Poison is seventeen. So they'll probably be the lead ups, and then the the I guess the feature presentation of that whole like anthology. I guess you'd call it. It will probably be Henry Sugar. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, nonetheless, we'll we'll be on the lookout for that, and uh, I'm sure you will you will hear about it on the show. And I think that's going to be a wrap on Trey Watch for this week. We'll shift now into the follow up, where we're going to follow up on some of the movies. We've covered on Trey Watch, inc- uh, included in the box office for weekend 36 of 2023, covering September 8th through the 10th mm-hmm. of that year. In first place, to the shock and chagrin of many, <laughs> The Nun 2. <laughs> Running away with Number it one. also. Like, yeah. not not particularly close. Uh, 20 million up on the second place entry. Um, it brought in thirty-two point six million, which isn't a huge opening weekend, but I'm sure it's already in yeah. in the profit margins. Yeah. We are um, seeing this week a very big box office contraction. I think we've been seeing that over the course of yeah. several weeks, but in particular this week. Although there fair. are, although there are three new movies in the top ten this week, whereas there was like one. Well, it, yes, there was exactly. It also one. should be said that school is starting for children, so um, starting you know as early across the country as a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, we're we're out of summer movie yeah. season for sure. So, <laughs> gone are the days of a three hundred million dollar box office. But weekend. this is going to be. This is going to be a trying few months for cinemas because I've read articles that source different movie executives from like different studios and a lot of them have independently cited the fact that there's a concern about a lack of movies in the early portion of next year mm-hmm. unless they can resolve the strike and you know the strike's getting bad because the rock showed up oh. on smackdown oh. yesterday that means he's got nothing in the pipeline and he was previously the busiest yeah, man in Hollywood. That is rough. Like, I, yeah, for right now, like, we are going to definitely get fuck you, it's January. Fuckier than it's ever been before. But we're also getting fuck you, it's September it's, right it, now. It is literally going, it's literally going to be that sketch, fuck you, it's forever now. So I pulled up some of the, um, some of the new movies that are coming out, and um, just to cite a couple. Um, September 22nd, we have Expendables 4 coming out, um, as well as It Lives Inside. I think that I think we've seen that. Um, uh, yeah, we saw that trailer. Trailer. Like, um, with with Dune being pushed back to 2024, like the only movie coming out, I think that I have any interest in is the creator. Yeah, the creator comes out September 29th alongside Saw X. Um, after that, we have. The Exorcist Believer to look forward to, or The Royal Hotel. <laughs> yes, that, that movie, the, the sequel to one of the scariest movies ever, uh, 
that drew well right. the, a guess, sequel because the, the they made like reboot. three of them right the reboot uh drew laughter from the packed oppenheimer theater i was in okay not exactly now here's interesting <laughs> the reaction maybe, was fishing for. maybe this might uh quell some of the concerns uh taylor swift eras tour is coming out october 13th Honestly, this one of the articles I read from the movie executives called that a oh, huge yeah. boon to the, <laughs> the theater industry right now. I have heard people who uh, are going to treat that movie like it is like an actual, actual concert. concert. Yeah. They are going to get dressed up. They are going to get the bracelets. They are going to sing along, stand up, jump up, dance. The whole night, it sounds like the worst movie going ever. a regular movie goer. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if you were, yeah, someone like me. <laughs> like, I, I feel so bad if anybody's going there expecting it to just be like, yeah, I'd like to listen to some of the music and uh, see what's the what it's about. And then just get think, bombarded yeah. with a concert scene. Yeah. Which, um, so, it's a concert, it's different, because it's a concert movie, right? It's not like a movie about the tour. It's not one of those documentaries following them as they're touring. Okay. I think it's just like it's just the songs. This is this is their con. Yeah. This is a concert. Okay. I'm... This is a, re- a recording of the concert. So the, it, it's it's a really interesting thing. I don't think we've ever like because even Taylor Swift was like promoting the fact that people should like go to this, treat it like a concert, jump up, sing, dance, mm-hmm. whatever. Which I guess is okay if it's just a big long music video. Uh, yeah, if it if it literally is just a recording of the concert, I don't have as big a problem with that. I still think it's silly to like cheer and clap right. because if, no one's in front yeah, of you performing. But if you're doing it for to get the group vibe, group energy up. Okay. Um, yeah, but this yeah, is interesting I don't because... I don't have a huge problem with that. I'd hate to be in a theater next to the theater that, showing that the Eras the tour. That was the other concern was that people who worked in movie theaters were saying. If you think that the walls are thick, do like <laughs> guess again. Is like that's a real concern for us. Is that you're gonna have neighboring a lot movie of theaters sound pollution get super pissed off at the jumping, the screaming, the yelling, all that. Having to listen to Taylor Swift as a captive yeah, audience. Yeah. <laughs> so I I wonder. I mean, October thirteenth, it's coming out. It's not really competing with a ton of other movies. That I I don't think people are gonna be like oh oh my god I had it. It'll probably be number one at the box office. I I expect that. The next week I can see it possibly being an issue if it does carry on with Killers of Flower Moon coming out, and that you know is gonna be that Oscar bait release. Um, Yes, a very a very talky movie that requires you to pay attention and has a lot of you know like well thought out sound design to build the mood of the scene. And then you're trying to take that all in, and you just hear hear a bunch of off-key women singing Bad Blood. <laughs> uh, the week after that is Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, uh, Man, fuck them. <laughs> the week after that? Stay home and watch that on Peacock, guys. Don't go to the theaters. Uh, the, week, the week after that, we have Priscilla. What happens later? Uh, so really nothing going into... October, uh, maybe November, we have the Marvels and the Holdovers coming out, which might, because the Holdovers is that one Paul Giamatti movie that looked kind of interesting. Um, so that could be possibly some some good numbers. Uh, 
But after that, it's like, I don't know how much the Hunger Games, the Ballad of the Songbirds and Snakes and Thanksgiving are going to bring, but the tr- Trolls Band Together is definitely going to get the kids back into the movies. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a fine... I don't think there's going to be a major decline, but maybe not some well, of the numbers we've I think seen the concern is more more in the earlier part of oh, next year. Oh, earlier part of next year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everything's been pushed back to, like, at least March. And, you know, that's assuming... I, I believe some of those release dates are assuming the strikes are resolved by X date. And if they aren't resolved by that time, which... Yeah. I don't know how negotiations are going, but considering it's been this long, I can't imagine there's been a ton of movement. Yeah, because we got Aquaman and Ferrari in December to look forward to. Um, but starting in January, there's a big dip. There's a big gap. Uh, the an IMDb it lists December 25th and then January 12th as the next big drop uh, with Bob Marley, One Love. Um other than that, it's not a ton Get of the foreign like, movies in here. I don't know. I think you're gonna see, you're gonna see a lot of re-releases. I think in this time, um, like today, I, I I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna go. But today is, I like day two of Regal's Batman Day. I don't know if they did it yesterday, which was actually Batman Day. But they're showing the Dark Knight trilogy in theaters like one day only. And there's one showtime for each of them. And I thought about going to the Dark Knight at 3.15 today. But when I went to buy my ticket, the theater was pretty full. And I was like, I don't know if I want to yeah. Side note, deal with yeah, that many people. Anything. DC, partner with Blumhouse and do a Bat Who Laughs adaptation as one of your other world's movies. Do... What would be a good one for Blumhouse? That 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 would be an interesting one. What was the A twenty four does more of psychological I saw, on, I saw horror clips stuff. on YouTube where it's the five guys who think they're the Batman and they're being put through like saw tests to to figure out who is the real Batman. I don't know if I'm yeah, familiar with like, that, but that sounds so pretty cool. Is, I'd like to I read guess, that. Spoilers: um, Doctor Strange takes. He's got five people who I think he thinks are the Batman, and he's trying to determine like what makes the Batman the Doctor. Yes, Doctor Dr. Hugo Strange, not yes. not Stephen. Just for the for those who might not be familiar um, let me with see if I can with find Batman the characters, the but it's yeah, it's five guys who they don't know their identity and they're like strapped up to torture machines. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where you're where you're coming across these things, Peter. But feed me your Rex. Feed me your Rex. Um, but anyway, let's let's move on with our our follow up here, as <laughs> we've only gone through <coughs> the first movie, and apparently I'm dying. So let's let's focus up here. Equalizer two, or Equalizer three. My bad. Um, did not have a, a very auspicious second week, dropping into second place. Which isn't too bad to, you know, be usurped by a movie that's opening. But dropping 65.3%. That's on the higher end of week-over-week drops. Uh, that knocked it down to $12 million, um, bringing its worldwide total to $112 million, 
which is not terrible, but not huge. Although from the sounds of the reviews of it we read last week, it sounds like they cut down a lot on the action, which probably cut down a lot on the budget. My Big Threat Greek Wedding 3 opened to a actually very respectable $10 million in a uh, good for a third place finish. It's brought in $17 million worldwide, which, um, you know, I don't think that's... Well, actually, you know what? I can't say that because my big fat Greek wedding, the first one, is famous for being the highest grossing independent film of all time and one of the most profitable movies <laughs> ever made. So... Yeah. So I don't know how how much the budget was on this. Let's see if I can't find that. I actually think for a while it was the most profitable movie ever made. Before, or no, it came out after Blair Witch, so I'm not sure if that's true. Um, yeah. So the original one was a massive success, grossing 3.68 million off of 368 million. Uh, off of just a $5 million budget. I can't find anything for the budget here. Let's see. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, not, not much information on the budget, but I got to imagine with the third movie, it's going to be optimistically you're looking at like 10, 10 mil, okay. 15 mil. Um, so it, it's got some work to do to get into the black. Certainly not, not what they were hoping for, but we got what we were hoping for. And that's a return of the Bollywood movie to the top yes. 10 with Jawan in fourth place and six point bringing $6.1 million and finding itself squaring in our fo- Spotlight, and that's six point one million dollars in only eight hundred and twenty six theaters. It has a a very high per theater take. Uh, When it does, it does pop off. Let's let's see how much is popping off here. So Juwan is out there, and it's chilling with a seven point seven out of ten rating on IMDb. That is um, higher than Asteroid City. (laughs) 89% percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes half of half of the staggering 28 reviews if there's 28 Jawan fans I Actually, am one weirdly though lower audience score off of a thousand plus ratings only 88% of the audience well, score know, as opposed well, to 89% know, know the real reviewers for, for these kind of movies the, also there is no Metascore <laughs> for this movie on Metacritic because there's only four there's there's less than four critical rev- critic <laughs> reviews <laughs> there's only three uh, Film Threat gave it an 85 RogerEbert.com gave it a 63 and The Guardian gave it a 60 uh, but it has a 9.2 user score universal <laughs> acclaim Amongst the five users who have rated it. <laughs> that's that's honestly the best. Make it to top three. No one reviewed it. Slipped past the whole nation. But but the nation of India, they they represent 
in one area. If you want to get the scoop on a Bollywood movie, you have to go. This isn't even a bit anymore. Yeah. You have to go to the IMDb user review sections and see what the hell's going on with these movies. You might have to spend a lot of time filtering your results to get anything useful, but don't worry. We yes. brought the garbage up for you. <laughs> we draw it forth. Uh, such as uh, Giant Deep Mishra has a 10 out of 10 review here titled Heir of King Khan. Okay. Okay. Khan was not capitalized. <laughs> Believe me, watching this movie, your theater will went on fire mode. <laughs> Exclamation mark. The two hours and 50 minutes Jawan movie directed by Atlee starring Sakuru Khan is a perfect top-notch action mass movie for the Indian audience. The direction and action of Jawan are Hollywood level. The cinematography and screenplay is like the audience sitting on a roller coaster. <laughs> How is the cinematography like that? Is, is, does that mean shaky cam, do you think? <laughs> they're, they're slipping, yeah. Despite having a long runtime, this movie will not feel lengthy or bored at any point because of amazing twists and turns. For SRK fans, it is perfect treat for them. I will call this movie best of King Kong career. It's a mass family entertainer, and if you're reading this review, then please don't hesitate a bit and go for it. You will not regret watching this movie. If you are a genuine movie lover, that is movie definitely for you. <laughs> 28. Out of 301. Oh, I'm sorry. 218 out of 301 found that helpful. So actually very positively (laughs) reviewed. Um, I don't know what this movie's about after reading that, so I will rate it as not helpful. And there was a problem collecting my vault. I'm being censored. (laughs) (laughs) Stopping you before you get out of hand. So we move downtown to 1 out of 10 from Saum. Bruh, this should never be, be, be made. Warning, spoilers. This VFX-heavy movie looks hilariously outdated with some worst stunt scene. The It Is Self has this CGI look that looks to be made by someone using their... Spell them properly. It's E-R-E. Their grandparents' computer. I didn't know Hindi movies this bad in Tamil movies. There are a lot of practical effects. And with directors like Christopher Nolan pushing the... Borderies? I think boundaries is what they're going for. No, he said boateries. (laughs) Nope. Pushing the boateries of what is possible. No excuse not to use practical effects, but their reason it doesn't. This is inaccurate garbage. I even serials do FX, VFX better in the medical inaccuracy that are so simple to avoid. Shame these directors like this still bro milking this concept and Heavy stereotypes like India is dirty and stuff. India was on on of early nation to ban plastics and forest director tries to his fetish and parried with 
cringiest, cringiest stunt scenes ever. I thought movies have evolved in short, bad CGI, weird fetish, medical inaccuracy. Funny how movie talks about corruption and forgot to see where all the budget went and bruh. Petrol on fire does not explode. Shame on Atlee. Hope never directs again. Plus, the fetish makes this movie a traumatic experience. 30 out of 45 found that helpful. Sorry, I wasn't paying close attention. I just perked up when I heard the word fetish. Did he elaborate anything on that? No, uh, but short, bad CGI, weird fetish, medical inaccuracy should clear everything up for you. Is this... Is okay. this a YouTube so video I guess, for children? I guess he's like the Tarantino. Is he Spider-Man Elsa in here? <laughs> well, I think I think Atley clearly is just the Tarantino yeah. of Bollywood. Yeah, maybe. Um, if you notice, there was no periods in that mm. either. So I believe that a thousand um, percent. <laughs> wild. <laughs> wild. Um, yeah, these these mid guys, they they have put it together though. I've seen a lot where they have they have positives and negatives here. This is not one of them. Uh, this is from the <laughs> the Kurkur man. Um, four out of ten, samosa of five star hotel. Juwan movie is like eating spicy mashed potatoes fried with grounded peanut, deep fried in a dough wrap shaped like a bullhorn, i.e. samosa in five star hotel. Hotel slash restaurant. This samosa movie is overpriced, overhyped, usual ingredients, lesser taste. Now, it depends on individual to spend more on this samosa or try some other dish. More attention is given on graphics and CGI instead of other aspects of movie. Very easy, forgettable songs. Story after you exit from theater. Most of the content is copied from other movies, which can impress those viewers who born after year 2010 or those who had not watched movies from the year 1990. Two out of five. Found that helpful. That was it. Just oh, that was it, huh? <laughs> Short to the point, baby. Samosas trigger me because when I worked at an Indian food company, the machine that packed the samosas would perpetually <laughs> break down. So you know this better than anyone. <laughs> I know I know about them in an industrial <laughs> capacity. I don't know about them in a culinary <laughs> capacity. I can tell you how many boxes I you can fit on a pallet. They're, they're one of the tastier of the Indian appetizers. Um, I now bring you Parichat Nandi. Parichat Nandi is how I'm choosing to divide that name. Um, he has a town town. SRK said, I am the last of the stars. <laughs> Two period ellipses. And SRK proved that by hashtag jaw. <laughs> I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to read this in my best Dracula flow. Once upon a time, SRK said that I am the last of the stars, and SRK proved that by hashtag Jawan, hashtag at Lee Kumar, sir, what a movie, and Vitje, Vitje, is it is the best mass entertainer movie I have ever seen. Movie story, casting, and color grading. 
BGM, everything's perfect. <laughs> Joan is a cop. Is Joey Vito just throwing shit? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, you broke my Dracula flow, Jake man. Have to dis- Sorry. Go yeah. up there and display some discipline. Uh, no, the, the, the help. The help is being uh, extra rowdy this morning cleaning up. He's going to have to pick a switch. Jawan is a combination of action, romance, emotion, comedy, actually everything that we went in a movie, want in a movie, my bad, and our SRK for Phil in his own way. In this 169 minutes, there is not a single moment that you feel bore. <laughs> Don't waste your time. Just book your tickets and be part of this mega blockbuster I mean... movie. <laughs> Not wrong. It's a mega blockbuster. That's the best. Don't waste your time. I've seen because it's a positive one. Don't waste your time and just go. Yeah. And my personal suggestion is that please carry water ball because you need water for 169 minutes glee and <laughs> shouting. <laughs> I will now butcher something written in Hindi. Main punya hun ya papun main bi ap hun. Hashtag Jawan first day first show. Hashtag SRK. <laughs> Six out of 11 found that helpful. I found that helpful. Oh, again, problem collecting my vote. IMDB is trying to silence me. So we got, a, we got another banger one out of 10 from Trashu Kumar. Um, one out of ten movie for low IQ people. Another performance by Bollywoodia <laughs> ecosystem full of garbage and typical mix of different films copied and pasted. Nonsense movie made for low IQ people. Deepika's performance is below average. Very cheap storyline. Screenplay is not engaging. First half was ingesting, <coughs> especially interval twist. There are many re- irrelevant thing. No logic, but enjoyable for its stylish execution. Second half was stretched a lot. Emotional, but very routine formula. Wise presentation which is not as impactful as Pathan. There was many Masala, but if you are not a SRK fan, you cannot enjoy. If you are one of a neutral audience, it's three hours torture and pain in the ass. (laughs) That's, 122 that's out of 247 found that helpful. <laughs> All right. I am I am torn. Yeah, say. All right. Very Do helpful. I go for um average average film overhyped by the so-called critics, however, SRK rocks, which is they just go for it. They just go off. Um or stop the stardom-based movies and just do movies for the purpose of entertainment, which is like a letter directly to the the makers and creators and is a little shorter. <laughs> Which one do I do? Um, I think we got to do the, the manifesto okay. letter. Um, the other one, also great. We'll I, go back and read it. You'll find it. 
It's in there. Just look for the one with the emojis and the hashtags. Um, from Char uh, Charan M. Kumar, uh, 5 out of 10. Stop this stardom-based movies and just do movies for the purpose of entertainment. I agree it's a mass movie, but where is the essence? What on earth was with the overall presentation? <laughs> At Lee, you already knew the impact of Beagle, and yet you wanted to have a father-son double acting duo and the same style? Come on, man. Learn how to seize an opportunity. SRK does what he does best. He carries the whole movie with his charm and screen presence. Vijay Setupati, you are a beauty and a genius of an actor. You gave me goosebumps. Arindu, or, wait, yeah. Anirudh's, Anirudh's music and background score elevated the entire plot. However, towards the end, all the highlights were overshadowed as the movie got dragged and dragged. Of course, the movie will break box office records with its collection. And why not when tickets are priced two, three times higher than normal? Filmmakers, learn to make good films and trust your audience. You can still make a movie at a regular price. If you're not an SRK fan, this movie isn't worth your time and money. Zero out of one. But that was like, that was in it. It was probably the target audience. Yeah. He just didn't want to hear the truth. They hated Come him on, because he told man. the truth. <laughs> what is with Come, you? That was, so that's uh, that's. I gotta go back and watch Spaceballs. That's, that's uh, Jawan. Uh, let's actually, you know what? I don't think I saw the the worldwide take there for Jawan. Okay, so interestingly, it's not raking in the core. It would seem. As uh, the international box office is only six and a half million compared to the domestic box office of nine point six million, total sixteen point two. Barbie, which is now available to view in the comfort of your own home, uh, finds itself in the top five still in week eight here, bringing in a cool five point seven million dollars, down just forty four point two percent. It's it's kind of like in its half life now. Every week. <laughs> Decays by 50% uh, until it's no longer radioactive. Uh, it's crossed the $1.4 billion threshold, though, making it the uh, the highest-grossing movie of the year. So congratulations, Warner Brothers. You made the Barbie you movie. It up. An unexpected triumph. I had my triumph. favorite line when she said it's Barbie time and barbed all over everything. She made one bar billion dollars. <laughs> she did yeah. make a bar billion. We did. Bar billions is not a meme. It's reality. It's a Barbie world. We're just living in it. <laughs> um, well, it helps make up for the sting of Blue Beetle, which uh, in just its fourth week is already below Barbie. Again, um, three... Uh, down three spots in the sixth this week, $3.8 million. Seems like the hurricane did not have as much of an impact as <laughs> yeah. the studio believed. Uh, brought $115 million worldwide when all is said and done. So that's, gotta think that's a money loser. Yeah. Perhaps a big money loser of that. Gran Turismo is struggling to find its audience in its third week. Down three spots as well. Uh, 47% drop off out of the thousand Damn. theaters already. I'm surprised. Um, 
five milli on that. Well, it's I feel like it's kind of a hard yeah. concept to sell. It's it's occupying a lot of different spaces at the same time. Uh, nine it's a video four point nine million dollars sports movie for, for that one. I think movie. they should have it's done a true story movie. A better job. Um, it's doing a as lot far as Gran Turismo is concerned. At the same time. Um, pushing that it's based on a true story. Yeah. Because when I, I was having a discussion with someone at work about that, and they, they didn't know that it was based on a true story. And I was like, huh, you really would think that they would want to drive that part of it home with their marketing. But to each their own, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like this is going to be an expensive movie to make their money back on, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe not if they have a you know cheap cast. I mean, well, it's made ninety four million dollars. It doesn't seem like it was that expensive. Well, well I suppose we can just yeah. look up Gran Turismo budget. <laughs> Gran Turismo budget. Well, I would imagine like the cars would be. Well, they're not purchasing the cars. Maybe Sixty million dollars is the budget for Gran Turismo. So it's it's uh well, not factoring advertising. Which was not insignificant. That at least doubled, um, it, probably. Yeah, so I, though it could, I could yeah. see it breaking even. Well, yeah. it's it's not like Sony's any stranger to these kind of results in their movies. No, not not lately. No, their their prop their movie division propped up almost entirely by Spider Man, yep. and the the random in the random. Uh, like mid-budget comedy they put out that yeah. weirdly makes a good return. Like I think uh, No Hard Feelings was not, theirs, sense. and that that yeah, made decent money. What other Sony stuff is hanging around? Yeah, the Mir- oh, no, the Miracle Club. That was the only uh, shortcomings. These are yeah, these are ones I have no clue. Yeah, Oppenheimer finds itself in eighth place. In its eighth week, so not quite holding on like Barbie, but I think let me let me just check before I talk out. Yeah, so Oppenheimer is in about a thousand less theaters than Barbie, which makes sense because you don't want to hold on to a three-hour movie for any longer than you have to. Um, but uh, still bringing in three million dollars, eight hundred ninety-five million worldwide. I think it's gonna. I don't think it might not hit a billion, but I think it's definitely going to hit nine hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. which is still Making like sense. really impressive for a movie Popping like this. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of nuts. But um, I, and and on top, I think not only is that nuts, the fact that it competed with Barbie at the same yeah. time. Yeah, it had the stiffest competition of any other movie. Yeah. It that... it literally its competition was the highest grossing film of the year and it was within 500 million dollars of that simply and it, like as a 3-hour rated R movie. Yeah. yeah. That's incredibly <laughs> it's like, impressive. Uh, all those movies that came out like the summer of 87 where you had to like compete with like Rambo and The Predator. And like Star Wars three, <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, you could put out a really solid movie. It's gonna look like dog shit. 
in in the box office. It's just going to get and this lost. Was, this did better than that. Yeah. I think a lot of that was the co-marketing kind of. That was a pretty that was a pretty slick it, move. I gotta but, say, I think that really that really helped things. But I, yeah, but like it it sustained for a long time. So there was genuine interest in this movie, and I, I think it's one of Chris Nolan's, you know, most uh, successful movies in terms of gross budget or gross profit. So. Like, yeah, good on you. It's it's further. He's gonna further be able to do whatever the <laughs> fuck he wants in the movie business, because his his passion magnum opus made almost a billion dollars. He's gonna get. He's gonna. He's Universal. entering the James Cameron egosphere. I think he's he's well. I don't know about his ego, but like in terms of like. Esteem, yeah, I think he's he's just about there. He can just he make the things he personally wants, and it'll just turn him into big slammers, box office blammers, box office kablamers. But I will say this about Nolan's movies: um, his recent output has not disappointed me as much as Cameron's yeah. recent output. <laughs> it's because Nolan's movie ideas came from when he was three from three years ago, instead of. 40. <laughs> yeah. I want to see Nolan make and, his um, his five his 7-year-old's idea <laughs> of what the best his best movie would be. <laughs> <laughs> that would be int- I'd like to see that from a lot of directors. I'd like just like peer into their like mind that, for, as a that child. Movie you made when you were that you thought of when you were 5. Even if it is just a copy of Indiana Jones, I want to see you bring that to the screen. I feel like that's what a lot of kids thought of. It's like in I your current direct. That's this and this and this. I'm like, that's just whatever movie you saw that summer. That was really awesome. Yeah. And then, but like, it'd be cool to see that in their current directorial mm-hmm. style. Like, imagine a Wes Anderson Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Style oh movie. My God. Like that would be pretty. I'd sick. pay to see that. I think that'd be I like awesome. The, I like if you did like a Nolan. <laughs> Um, Indiana Jones movie, they would never explain what the artifact does. It would be very obtuse on how it works. <laughs> you'd have the same, you'd have just a little bit more conspiratorial talk than than a uh, regular Indiana Jones yeah. movie. And, and probably a bit more bombastic action. Yes. The, the action in uh, Indiana Jones is very grounded. I, you know what? All right, I've we I think I've convinced myself through this conversation. I do want to see Christopher Nolan's like Indiana his idea of an Indiana Jones movie. If you you're not ever going to do another sequel, yeah. if you do a reboot, he's going to have to be the one. I feel like it would look a lot like um, Inception, just in kind of a 1930s. Like, if Inception took place during okay. Oppenheimer's time period, I think it'd look a bit like that. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't surprise me. That would be... All right. All right. Now I'm... That being... But that being said, yeah, right. I don't hate that. I'm just, like, trying to think what kind of... What, <laughs> I don't hate uh, that at all. historical, like, intricacy would he get uh, would be uh, turned into an adventure, you know? 
This is almost like a dream of mine if Nick Cage is one of the actors in this movie. <laughs> Christopher Nolan directing Nick Cage is like riding an atomic explosion. It's like a Christopher it's like a tor- Nolan. It's like a tornado meeting a hurricane. Christopher Nolan is going to direct National Treasure 3 starring Nick Cage. <laughs> Make it happen, Disney. Oh my lord. With <laughs> With the Hans Zimmer soundtrack. <laughs> hey, hey guys, hey guys, we're we're make doing it. our we're doing the thing that we're making fun of. This is our our Tumblr Absolutely. fanfic that we're we're putting out there. In Nolan the Fick. hashtag Nolan Fick. Nick Nolan. Oh, a, <laughs> if Chris a Nolan, Cage and Nick if Nolan, Chris, if Chris. If Chrissy Nolan and Nikki Cage kissed, wouldn't that be crazy, dude? I need heard Nolan Nick, to pull a new Nick movie out of good. his crussy. <laughs> uh, I don't know what Chris Nolan sounds like, but I imagine he sounds like, hey, Nick, Nick, uh, hey, Nicky baby, good. hey, wanna put, wanna put that to the test? <laughs> He's English. Just I just want, Oi, I just want Nick. Chris Nolan to be. Oh, he just directs your accent in IMAX quality at all times. <laughs> He's got a very uh, four by three aspect ratio to him. Oi, Sir Nicholas! Oi, hear you, you snogging good. Is that what it's snog or a slog? Oh, you slag. Uh, no, snogging. 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 Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oi, I hear you snogging pretty good. <laughs> Come here and snog me, right? <laughs> fucking so dumb. Oh boy. I think yeah, I think the stupidest the stuff I've said in my life I've said yeah, on this show. Really... <laughs> uh... There's a there's a safety in this show that we to... put out on the internet for anyone yeah. to listen to. Here, Joey, wanna hear some of the fucking weirdest shit oh. your dad has ever said? Watch oh, this. I'm gonna make a super cut and I'm gonna give it to him. <laughs> On a significant birth, that kid turns 15. He's getting like a dime bag of weed and yeah. a CD of all his dad's you, you ever, cringiest dialogue. You ever you ever run into trouble, just uh, use this as blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> it will be on a CD, but since he's he's well, born that's the in challenge, this year, right? you, you won't know what that technology that's, that's is. Of age ritual is learning yeah, how to use it's, a it's, CD-ROM. It's cryptic. <laughs> it's so. like the puzzle box that <laughs> Superman was shipped it with. That explained the origins of Krypton. You know, he's got to figure out how to yeah. play this this artifact. This smash cut of me just saying, I say it's probably, probably not racist to say this, <laughs> yeah. but this feels a little racist Get, to say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Give your teenage son all the ammo he would need to cancel yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I expect of you. Um, it would be mayhem, mutant mayhem. All right, teenage so wrapping turtles, it up here, mutant ninja. Mayhem t- movie ninth place, uh, 2.8 million this <laughs> week, there. baby. Yep, one hundred sixty-two million worldwide. So yep. uh, that's movie. That's that's uh, that. And bottoms continuing its rollout has found its way on the uh, to stay in the top, the top ten. 10. On on the bottom of the top ten. That's true. The bottom of the top though. So they are on top. Of like Meg yeah. Two, classic so. Orion W. <laughs> Number ten after three weeks. Yeah, 
1,200 theaters now showing this thing. Um, it's brought in 8.6 million. That is, uh, that is not a lot. Nope. But uh, that's top ten for yeah. notably um, uh, strays out after four weeks. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's on some sort of streaming service somewhere. Um, whatever Universal puts most oh, of their junk on mil. Peacock. What strays? Oh, yeah, thirty-two mil. That's. I mean, I, I feel like the the cast alone yeah, costs that much money. Not even to money. mention whatever CGI they probably had to do because they wouldn't. They're not doing talking animals like they did in the in the early two thousands and late nineties. No, they're CGIing horrible, nightmarish mouth movements onto these. How much animals. would it cost to get a handler and the animal location fee and the ASPCA no animals were harmed uh, title? You gotta wonder. More than it costs to to hire a full sale grad <laughs> to do this for you. Oi, um, that yeah, that's top ten. All right, let's, let's move now and talk quickly about some gaming get... news and the big say, story let's save this that for week. Last, I can whip mine out in like one second. Because I want yours is a double okay. feature. Whip so it I'll out, Jackie, like, baby. Oh. Whip it out. Yep. Steam is 20 years old this week. Um, and to celebrate, you can snag a Steam Deck for 20% off. And if you've been on the fence, I recommend it. I, my one regret is that I didn't buy it sooner. <laughs> and I, I may, it may be the one because I have my Switch and I have my deck. Um, and my deck in my hands. Um, yeah, 20 years. Good job, Steam. I'm sure you can play Absolutely. some Mahjong on your Steam Deck. Yeah, <laughs> I can play some online ranked Mahjong. Um, that was... Slay the Spire Machine Mahjong Machine, baby. Let's go. Um, let's do. Let's uh, do yeah, it. Yeah, no, just uh, happy twenty, happy twentieth anniversary to one of the most reasonable and successful uh, digital distribution platforms out there. Yeah, one of one of the. Uh... The uh, least shitty yeah. DRM is out in there. In the words of Game Newell, this, these are the words that will be enshrined in in memoriam on his memorial. Is um, you can follow me at GabeN.Val. No, um, uh, mm-hmm. games game sales. It's a problem. Game, piracy is a problem of distribution, not uh, uh, piracy is, is a yeah, service issue. Is not the quote. a quality mm-hmm. issue. And he proved it because Valve makes, they don't make games anymore, but they sure as hell make a ton of money. (laughs) They prove it out every time access gets cut for a game and piracy of rates of those games go up. Um, He proved it out. He made it happen. So happy 20th, Steam. Here's to another 20. Uh, Yep. Praise Gaben. So the... um... The iPhone um, just announced its fifteenth uh, iPhone fifteen and fifteen Max and all that jazz, whatever With upgrades. The... Uh, the one one positive will get out of the way. Oh, price seems about um, where it's uh, where it should be. I think I think I saw seven ninety nine and eight ninety nine for the two models, um, which are actually lower than what I expected. I expected like the topper end to be like nine hundred to a thousand. 
but um, uh, I don't know. I think I think they're they're using cheaper uh, product or cheaper materials. Uh, they went down to aluminum and from steel, and they haven't designed, changed their design in forever. So yay, go Apple. Um, however, one one thing to note that everybody's been talking about is that you better go get yourself a $30, $40 dongle or just a USB-C to USB-C cable because they are done with the Lightning Jack on their iPhones. And they have implemented the As mandated by the European Union. No, because (laughs) it's uh, Apple just had a really good idea. (laughs) Yeah. um, Fortunately, I will say uh, to Apple's credit, they didn't really like say oh you know we had this amazing oh, idea get salty to about it str- do all this the, the the only thing they said was which is true it's not not false but now it is in line with a lot of their other products that had USB-C. Yeah. so their um ipad and their macbooks were all USB-C powered um so now they can just use one cord <laughs> uh good job oh it's great being in the USB C ecosystem yeah. is amazing. I have one I have one dual port charger in my wall and it's got uh, a a Garmin watch charger, because my girlfriend and I both have Garmin watches, and it's got a USB C cable and it charges all our devices. I can get, put, put my laptop on that, yeah. put my phone up on that, put my Steam Deck up on that, put my switch Fucking up on huge that. Huge win for standardization and the consumer. I my I laptop don't know what up value on that. Apple was extracting from the lightning charger. I don't know if they're worried about. Oh, oh, a ton, a ton. Actually, that I mean, that was a huge. I, I don't know like what in their books it was actually making for them, but um, so the whole thing behind Apple's proprietary like cable designs was because they would charge an exorbitantly high amount for other companies to use their connector to license to the license design. their connector mm. like hdmi you have to give like whenever a company uh would would use an hdmi connector or some of that uh they you would, have to give them a uh, little a you give them like yeah. a penny you give them like a penny to license it per per product so one penny out of a ten dollar right. cable is it's towards the licensing solid. fee yeah. it's like a dollar <laughs> For the lightning jack. And it, like, so if you ever go to a gas station, just take note of, like, how expensive the lightning cables are compared to, like, USB cables. Um, because they are so different in price. There's at least a few extra dollars tacked onto it for the same cable that's the same length that does the same job. But it's just more expensive. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, why? So it just it cuts into like profit margins of like companies that are trying to make like uh like you know you know different cables OEM cables and stuff like that. Um, the only the, the only added thing to note on here is uh, the fact that yes they are moving to USB C, but there's always a but. Um, it is still 2.0. Uh, <laughs> 23 year old 2.0 speed. Well, we gotta, you gotta, you gotta sell the next right. generation yeah. when they put 3.0 connectors. And they in. can market it as their well, idea yeah, the actually, entire the, time. Uh, well, the... We took USB, we took 2.0 and brought it to the next level. 
We doubled the transfer speed on this next uh, generation of the iPhone. So digging into the details, I'll read the article verbatim for it. Digging into the details of the new Apple handsets, it turns out there is a reason why the regular iPhone 15's USB-C port runs at 2.0, while the iPhone uh, 15 Pro has a faster 3.0 spec interface. It's oh. got an old chunk of silicone inside of it. So, um, yeah, they just they just upgraded it for the 15 Um in the i think that also limits how fast the normal ones can the 2.0s can charge at so they're um yeah cuz i think i think um usb 3 is where uh power delivery protocols got introduced yeah so um yeah it limits how much wattage they can pull for uh fast yeah. charge situation i think they're limited to 15 watts fast charging no i think there is still the option to probably um you know get like a fast wireless charger as well but that's just more money you have to shell out for it um uh, and a lot of people are going wireless anyway so if you're already on that ecosystem you don't really care about the port charging it's just like supplementary and like connecting to your car mm-hmm. that you care about um but yeah, uh, get your new cables or dongles, and there it is. Yeah, have and fun with that. I think the the synthesis Sp- of video game uh, distribution logistics and companies grubbing for money with their proprietary technologies with synthesized together into fees? this next yeah, I was about story, to say, which you is a have... big story this week. Kurt, take it away. Yeah. You could not have you could not have teed this up better for me, Jake. Speaking of licensing fees. <laughs> Unity, who is now uh, run by the same man who ran EA back when EA was consistently receiving the worst company ever awards. And, uh, you know, this man is the same man who proposed, um, you know, maybe if we charge to reload your gun in Battlefield, real money to reload your gun, uh, you know, that might not be such a bad idea because you wouldn't be very price sensitive in the middle of your your game. Um, so it just comes as no surprise that the man who had that lovely little brain nugget would come up with, with this scheme, which is to start charging like a dollar per install for all games licensing the Unity engine. Active. Retroactive to Against their forever gross ago, margins. which doesn't even sound yeah. legal. <laughs> Yeah, against their gross margins. So that means every time their game is installed on a machine, Unity wants them to pay them $1. That is an insanely high licensing fee. An insanely, like... Naked, greedy, unmasked greed. uh, Yeah. It is, yeah, it is just blatant bald face greed and i i've read from at least 19 developers now that are moving their engines off of unity now, the in the days since this. they've cowardly walked back their uh their um claims or their their uh, terms from like oh we're not going to do it for everyone it's just going to be the top 1% of producers which is which is hilarious because they're the ones who have the most money to not use Unity. Um, and they're yeah. like, oh, well, maybe we'll change the margins. And, you know, they keep they just kept walking it back. I don't know what where the, the actual state of it is now. You know who's... But they have 
irrevocably harmed the the uh, reputation of their product. Their image. Yeah. If you're a new developer starting up and you're you're choosing one of the pre-made engines out there that you can, you know, use for pretty pretty cheap uh license the engine, are you are you going to get in bed with Unity after that? For them to pull some yeah. bullshit like that on you, if you're a small indie studio who maybe can't afford that ridiculously exorbitant license and fee, if you're if you're a small developer um, who get or someone who's going to get charged on install, uh, the first thing everyone thought of was, oh, after you buy the game, you can just do installs for free, um, at least where it is right now. That would and charge make the money make the company lose money at no cost to you. What that would mean is now. The knock-on effect would be companies who sell who make games in Unity will now limit your downloads, your installs, like fucking copies of yeah. WinRAR. <laughs> yeah, you know who who's who's really happy about this news? Tim Sweeney, because you better believe. A lot of people now are going to be looking at Unreal 5 and being like, you know what? I think that's where it's I want to build my game. Ammunition to your com- competition. <laughs> it's like having, it's like there's an old XKCD comic that I see sometimes where it's like three boxes of cereal on the shelf. And that was a little different, but one of them just says, now asbestos free. Which one are you going to buy? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, like you just you teed up their easiest campaign ever uh where they just have to hook into the the obvious anger of everyone there and be just say hey we're not you don't have to do anything and just say we're not gonna charge you to to use your game we want you to use our engine please uh now all that being said there are some people who are taking this a little too far um, as Unity has had to temporarily close their office and um, they canceled a planned town hall meeting after the CEO received what was believed to be a credible death threat made in the wake of the controversial price plan change announced earlier this week. It's not okay to threaten to kill people or to kill people, no matter how shitty they yeah. are. No, this is like... You can you can ruin them financially. That will that will be enough. Um, yeah, hit, if you want to hit them where it really hurts, hit more their than wallet. <laughs> um, like and the the anger is carried over some pretty high profile, um, uh, no, quotable notables. You know, um, I know what Slay the Spire. Yeah. They put out a thing because they were developing. Yeah, Megacrit put out a statement, and they they even said in their statement, we literally never put out statements. That's how yeah. badly you just fucked up. Devolver Digital, <laughs> um, the whole studio is is trying to was, is pulling out of their making statements. Cause, yeah, I was trying to find the exact um, uh, mention from Call to the Lamb. So Call to the Lamb tweeted out, buy Call to the Lamb now because we're deleting it on January 1st. Um and uh, that was not true, because <laughs> then they they later on tweeted a uh, image of the lamb from Call to Lamb and uh, what appears to be Angry Bird just making out hardcore. 
Uh, the amount of news channels that 100% believed us. I've clearly never seen this image before. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, didn't. They're not actually deleting it, but um, they are pissed because they use Unity as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. from what I heard, understand, this hurts. This could hurt um, like free yeah. games and like also the. Yeah, free to play games built in Unity are now going to be massive Unity, money. Like losers. the whole appeal of Unity at the beginning, and this is this is the classic Silicon Valley story. Was here's this product, please use it to develop however you want. We're giving it out for cheap. Um, this is a wide wide access game engine that you can use to use your creativity. And then two many years on, they go, oh, time to monetize. Well, and the thing is, I think there was already built-in profit um, for Unity when the games reach a certain amount of profit or sales or something like that. Where when when you start making money, we oh yeah, they were a little bit, yeah. they were making money off of licensing the engine, just yeah. in a more conventional way. Like this is this is just like a huge like stack on top. Huge yeah. money grab, like like it is, it is almost incomprehensible that they would have thought that this would go over well, or that this would go any other way. Well, they they how it's gone. They, they knew it wasn't gonna go on well. Like they they knew this was not gonna be received well because the I don't know who it was. Maybe it was a CEO, but somebody from Unity ended up selling off a ton of stock like days before this announcement happened. And sure as shit, it tanked the stock price quite a bit. So they they knew this was not going to be received well. Um, and they, to make matters worse, they deleted their terms of service from the GitHub page that houses the the Unity engine. And they, like, I just I don't see how that's legal. It's probably to not institute that large scale of tra- change. Well, I can't imagine they would have announced it without first consulting their legal team that what they were doing was, in fact, legal. Like, this is a very public announcement. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that just that shows you that in the corporate states of America, you can do all sorts of shady shit as long as you have INC at the end of your name. Did you go over there uh, what they had put out their statement afterwards? Um, uh, Unity? Yeah, cause so I guess... Uh, how long ago was this? Um, September 13th. So three days ago, they tweeted this. Um, Want to acknowledge the confusion and frustration we heard after we announced our new uh, runtime fee policy. We'd like to clarify some of your top questions and concerns. That was another thing. Was that uh, like confusion amongst like the like, clarification of certain things? Like you mentioned the downloads and multiple things. Um, like how, how are they going to like manage that? Because there are people who have like the Steam download, the Steam Deck download, and then like on, on other areas that yeah uh, across multiple platforms that you only need to buy the game once for. Who is impacted by this price increase? The price increase is very targeted. In fact, more than ninety percent of our customers will not be affected by this change. Customers who will be impacted are generally those who have found a substantial scale in downloads and revenue and have reached both our install and revenue thresholds. This means a low or no fee for creators who have not found scale and success yet, and a modest one-time fee for those who have. Um, so, but that still doesn't like, like such a bad statement. So that, 
you know, this is up there with a sense of accomplishment. Ninety percent of it's, our customers. It's only it's only affecting the people who have had so much success that they've already met these other two thresholds that we charge them at. And we want more money out of them. They, because, they yeah, basically sure. say that in their own statement, trying to defend this and, goddamn And I'm pretty change. sure the people who are going to be affected on this have already run the numbers and said this is not going yeah. to be good for us. Because we've already implemented your fee policy into our our profit table and like our, all of our accounting take into account this already. If you go and scale that up, you're taking away from development mm-hmm. and people it's like so we have to like fire people now we have to lay off people we have to delay games change we have to pass uh, it on to the know, customer change off unity and what what <laughs> value is unity adding to That's, justify this fee restructure i think that is the thing that i haven't heard a lot about is what value are they adding by by making this change and so many, it could be none <laughs> so often time and time again companies big companies like this will do this restructuring will change the price i mean we see it all the time from like streaming services where they're offering less if not the same if not less and then upping their price a significant amount to the point where it's like this is not Mm. worth it anymore like we have gone from the heyday of netflix where it was like seven eight dollars a month to 16 to 20 dollars a month you know, and, highest and, tier i was paying like 23.95 yeah when i canceled and we are and we are receiving what <laughs> old shows reruns a random movie every now and then that is mid at best like we're, we're not, we don't even have the shows that are good anymore like the the only thing that you have right now is one piece that you're going to try to squeeze 12 seasons out of and you know you lost the the the, the marvel shit you come out with a stranger. Th- uh, this isn't about yeah. Netflix, but whatever. I, you know what I mean. So yeah. So Unity isn't bringing yeah. anything new to the table. Uh, um, so uh, the next thing on this uh, fee on new installs only. Once you meet two in, once you meet the two install and revenue thresholds, you only pay the runtime fee on new installs after January first, twenty twenty four. It's not perpetual. You only pay once for an install, not an ongoing perpetual license royalty, like a revenue share model. But you still are charging them per install in perpetuity because every new install (laughs) comes with a fee. How we define... I don't think anyone was accusing you of, like, charging for having it installed on your machine. Yeah, like, constantly installed, like, oh... You've had this installed per month. You have to owe us, you owe us 50 cents every month. Yeah, person. yeah you owe us a, a dollar every for every machine it's installed on. How we define and count installs. Assuming the install and revenue thresholds are met, we will only count new or count net new installs on any device starting January 1st, 2024. Additionally, you know what's a common troubleshooting step in PC gaming? Uninstalling and installing. Yeah. Your game. Yeah, right. <laughs> Net fucking installs on any device. Forget if, well, if that, your that game is too g- big and you have to uninstall to have something else you want to put it back on later. Uh, yeah. so reinstall charges. We're not going to charge a fee for reinstalls, fraudulent install charges. We're not going to charge a fee for fraudulent installs. 
He'll work directly with you on cases when... I'm sure they'll have a great um, way of making sure that that's true. Yeah, this is just like... It's just like we're not doing it. But like when the time comes and then you do encounter these issues, how yeah. do you decide... Who decides what is a fraudulent install or what is a reinstall? How can you tell? Like that is, I think, the stuff that wasn't given out uh, in, in mm-hmm. these statements that really fucked up things. Trials, partial play demos, and automation installs charges. We're not going to count these towards your install count. Early access games are not considered demos. Oh, easy, easy workaround. Just call every game early yeah. access, like, yeah. or or, uh, or demo. It, every game is a demo now. <laughs> Release games in little demo segments. Yeah, there's, there's really if there's no practical reason to have this charge it does not connect to anything um uh you know tangible right uh, if there was if unity had to do something or if it had like limited space you know okay maybe there's a space thing if there's something an issue with doing the install that they did upgrades on that has drm included maybe but this is none of those things this is just them saying this install except it's you know it's maybe the first install or however we want to define it because we want to just make money we want to get in more uh leech off more of the other market and we've and and we've already set the precedent that we will revise the terms of service in our favor at any point in time with no advance notice it's just give Um, us money we'll do whatever whatever you want just as long as we're getting part of the deal and getting some money off of it um which is so and uh, a very helpful community note under this says uh, Unity states that only about ten percent of their customers will be affected, making it sound less bad. Ten percent is. is still as huge. as yeah. As of the gaming report in twenty twenty two, Unity had two hundred and thirty thousand developers. That's around twenty three thousand developers affected by the change. Lots of studios have posted statements about moving yeah. engines. So that's every AAA yeah. studio. So many of the double A's, single A's. Yeah. Well, not every. So, like you know, there are. Unity's yes. not like universal. It's it's widely used. There are people that run on Unreal Engine, and proprietary in-house engines are also a factor in there. But still, a huge. A huge portion of the game development community uses Unity, and a lot of smaller AA, single A, and indie studios rely on Unity because of its previously inexpensive licensing mm-hmm. program that might not be able to survive yeah. if this the is saving, implemented. So, uh, yeah, Unity's yeah. only saving grace on this, I think, is that they announced it a quarter in advance, which still is a pretty slim margin because I'm thinking like. This feels to me like not only the the you know the legal dubious legality about retroactive charging, but even if even that aside, right? If the if you can quantify the the value the monetary value of the debt of having to change over uh, from Unity uh, versus the amount that it would cost you or the amount that it would impact your uh, game value your expected revenue from having this installed, right? You could make in the argument if they if you're deep enough in development, you need time to move out of this if you want to save money. Um, and I feel like there's some there might be windows for like civil civil liability. I've yeah I I feel like there are, there are definitely um, like even 
just just full stop at the legality of retroactive charges like that. I think there's going to be grounds for legal challenges on that. And I think Unity is going to find themselves with a lot of uh, court cases being filed against because you can a lot of people, a lot of studios are going to sue. Um, there might even be a few class action lawsuits brought against mm-hmm. Unity for this. And, you know, even if they don't all make it to trial, you know, Unity's going to have to spend money on paying lawyers for to go through the discovery process and it gets expensive. Yeah. They're going to need that runtime yeah, <laughs> at and, that point. And will the, will the fees that are made on the quote unquote only 10% of people, you know, make up for the loss of teams that yeah. don't want to stay on unity that can afford the switch. Um, you know, there's, the there's brand a lot of devaluation. Do, so. It's not going to win this. any. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Like the, the damage to the reputation is nearly incalculable. I can't for like, as long as the memory of this stays in the industry, I can't see any new developer right. being like, okay, we're going to build our game in like unity. Which which is yeah. funny because they, the internet has a short attention span, like that we do forget things pretty easily. But for whatever reason, the video game industry remembers a lot. <laughs> like they <laughs> they hold on to shit. They're, I mean, Bethesda comes out with Starfield, a relatively good game, one of their less buggier games that they've come out with, and people still will not stop like chirping about Fallout seventy six and the canvas bag. And the immense bugs on Skyrim, and leaving it up to modders to make their games like good. It's like we will always dig up the past when mm-hmm. it comes to video games. Uh, so I don't think Unity has a very good outlook in the future for trying to yeah. fix their. This their, is the uh, kind of this brand. is the kind of blunder oh. that causes studios and companies to have to go quiet for like five six years and essentially end up reinventing themselves uh in the public eye a la hello games yeah well here's hoping for the hello games-esque redemption arc for unity no no man's Um, unity no man's unity no man's gonna die uh something something remember the titans (laughs) <laughs> something about uh, speaking of remembering uh and remembering how yeah remember, remember the, i remember remember the titans remember remember the titans yeah i do actually and that in fact i i will make a confession i pulled a jake and i did not watch the movie this week because i've seen this movie so many times that i can practically recite it from memory yeah i needed a bit of refresher i knew i knew the beats i, I knew the beats <laughs> i forgot <laughs> I forgot how racially yeah, motivated like, this movie was. But um, it's kind of like Disney racism, though. It's yeah, not yeah. quite as ugly as as racism we've seen in movies even, like, recently. You you just have to, like... They just tell the actors, like, just imagine you're saying the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and give them a good old scowl. Put that um, kind I mean, of stank on it. <laughs> don't actually say the word black, <laughs> but just say black... And then have somebody cut them off they, real fast. The response yeah. time was impeccable. For they some do of these, some go people. pretty far, farther than I thought for a Disney movie. Um, like because his whole his derogate the derogatory nickname of of Coach Boone 
um, is pretty harsh. Yeah. And there's some, like, there's some pretty uh, real, you know, um, very verisimilitudinous, very, you know, grounded kind of real, um, uh, I guess, racist arguments, like stuff that I would hear actual racists say, you know, if they're trying to hide yeah. their power level, as they call it. Um. <laughs> well, it's it's set in in the kind of Jim Crow yeah. South, right? So it's a lot of that kind of like bless your heart kind of racism. Um. Yeah. Oh well, they they do a really good job of showing that with like the um when the kids yes. interact, and there's the the yeah. passive aggressive, the the less of microaggressions, more of macroaggressions. Um, when they're saying you. you What's your daddy's name? You do got a daddy, like, don't you? Yeah. Uh, just asking you know. these these like really kind of unthinkable questions you'd you wouldn't they'd just be like you'd gawk at today. Um it's it's you definitely had that sense yeah. of uh that tension in any sort of interaction where it's a kind of an, an elephant in any room it's in. Um and that gives this a real weight I think it gives it a real weight to this movie that um brings the brings the real drama out yeah it this this movie is kind of the the prototypical uh inspirational sports film it kind of i won't won't say it invented that genre because it didn't but it definitely kind of popularized its resurgence because out of this you got things like uh invincible and um, I'm sure a dozen other movies that right. I don't know that if there's any that sort of are criteria also specifically talking about like racism in sports. They're but all kind of si- in sports for well, sure. There's, but yeah, it's it's not always like racism. Sometimes it's like a Rudy situation where it's mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just underdogs in in various mm-hmm. ways. Like the radio the um, was about. I think Invicta. Yeah, like you get maybe? a lot of Invictus. Yeah, Invictus. That was about soccer. Yeah, in that South was Africa, the Nelson right? Mandela rugby. Yeah, yeah, apartheid soccer ended apartheid. I guess. Um, <laughs> just as football ended racism between a lot of the teammates in this movie. Yeah, that was. I I did like um, this movie for its um, pretty relent. Not like. Uh, Mis- myopic sort of optimism but still relentless like it was an upward slope the whole time yeah um while still not being like yeah hey, this uh, solved everything everyone singing i mean there were a couple scenes of not quite seeing kumbaya yeah they were yeah. singing the temptations um <laughs> um but yeah, I I do appreciate that. That's a, a really great um, dynamic to have in your movie. That it's all about it's it's a it's a happy ending movie where they really work towards something. You could see that whole goal stretching out. It almost if I wanted to be reductive about it, I would compare it to like a rom com. But it's it's only on some of the superficial There's, story yeah. details, right? Where they there's ups and downs. Rom coms have ups and downs. Yeah, it, well, all movies yeah, have ups and that's downs, really. Like, that's that's how really plots are structured. But no, you're right. It, it is kind of like a rom-com sort of thing where it's 
it's a very formulaic structure, right? The inspirational sports movie. But since it's an experience that's so relatable to to everyone, it, it works still. And you have you have some room to play with the formula a little bit, but you never stray too far from the formula. And because, you know, people are romantic about sports for for stories like this, and you know, that's kind of why people follow sports it plays itself very well to the movies because everyone at the end of the day wants a story uh that they can enjoy and get behind and this is definitely one of those there's a reason this movie has had the kind of like cultural staying power that it has had mm-hmm. um i so yeah this is it's just a really really strong movie with really good uh really good characters really good interactions it avoids some of the cliches um I think one of Denzel Washington's best performances yeah. in, in any movie. That kind of that that quiet, uh, yet strong gravitas and, and energy. Um, the one thing, yeah, he. Yeah. I was gonna say he he does a really good job of playing the role. Um, I would just say I think he's a little one note in this. Like he's just the gruff football coach. The only time he really shows. Like any sort of emotion was during the brick scene, where he's like, you know, concerned about his family. But I, I, I guess I kind of wanted like one scene where maybe he um, tried to relate more on a personal level with his, uh, with the, with the team, mm. like with some of the maybe the black kids on the team. Instead, he always had that kind of um, that, you know, I am a dictator. It's right. my way or the highway kind of mentality with him, which ends up ends up pushing away one of the players. Um, not that it mattered, really, but it ends up pushing him towards mm-hmm. the other coach uh, who was running defense. Um, and then he was like, hey, I, you know, I, I think you got this. Like, I here's a different way to coach mm-hmm. you. Um, and he brought it up to, to Boone where he was like, hey, you know, some, sometimes these kids, like, doesn't matter white or black, it, they respond differently. Some do respond well with this like public humiliation kind of pushing driving them in a, in a position but others will just shut down and you have to kind of recognize that and that's what um uh what was his name yeah uh, pd uh pd jones was doing turkleton um yeah no i agree that like maybe seeing him in a different context would have added a little more character development it certainly he certainly has enough motivation and enough backstory uh to like serve that character role really well. Um, like I said, maybe one scene or something, but this is already a two hour movie with a lot of stuff in it. And that kind of caught me. Like when it, this movie started, it moves through the very first beats very quickly. Um, and I realize now because they had two, two almost sub movies, two very large acts to get through, right? The camp and the school season. Um, so they yeah. had to establish the setting real quick with with some of like those protest scenes they were like here quick stock protest scene go we have to establish the setting in like <laughs> three minutes we can't we can't waste time on this because um, you have the whole you have a really it's a really great um, effective use of an ensemble cast because you have a lot of characters here yeah. and a lot of character dynamics Um it's kind of the ensemble movie that I don't. I yeah, feel like I don't see a lot. Uh, you know, 
uh, in more recent times? Not so much anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Where, like, there's... That's a large... You see it more so in, like, the really, like, prestige films where people just want to be able to say that they were in this movie. So you have, you know, big players doing small parts. And since they're, like good actors they deliver really well in the sport i think of like remy malik and oppenheimer you know he's barely in the movie but what he does in the movie is very effective um and this is this has a larger cast even than than a lot of those movies and you get to see a lot of different kind of uh little smaller story arcs play out between characters interpersonally and the broader structure of the team and I feel like that's one of the reasons why this movie has such broad appeal is because there's all these different little stories and they're all different enough to where someone can latch on to one, yeah, but maybe always, not to the other. To, to relate to a lot of hooks. And what's... The Paddington 2 principle, yes. as I am now calling it, because that movie had a storyline with one of the f- principal characters that anyone of any age could relate to. <laughs> um, I will say, and we talk about little story arcs and payoffs, uh, one thing that this movie does really well is that it doesn't save all its payoffs for the end. There's payoffs throughout the movie. You know, little things that are set up and paid off. Yes, you get those little dopamine hits. Constant sense of small victories that are building and building and building, which is great for an inspirational story where you see it coming together. And leading up to the larger victory, yeah. Almost like a a football season. Yes. Undefeated football season. It's very much in that that way, and that's, you know, it's that sort of those little dopamine hits where you see everything kind of coming together is why people love sports. And they did a great job of translating that into the movie. And it works very well for a movie, especially a movie that's a little on the longer side like this one, because you're not you're not just wallowing in the status quo and building to your climax. You have a lot of little mini climaxes along the way that kind of keep you invested and interested. Yeah, and it's it it is it's also good to translate that kind of energy in action when um, there is a it might surprise you, it surprised me, that there was not as much football action as I would have expected. Um, it's interesting. Uh, no, it's, it's really more about the, what's go- help the people. The narrative as it should. Um, but it's not really a, there's not really a whole, whole scenes that are just the football action. Because that's not. It's bigger, it's bigger like training montages. Um, like, like, you know, working out, doing the three days, the two days. Three days is nuts, by the that way. Is, that is not humane. <laughs> I, I've i done two days. You know, I've done, I've done like a, a workout in the morning or a, a practice in the morning and then eat lunch, practice in the afternoon for a week. Yeah, two days were common in the summer. Yeah. And that was when we didn't have school. And it's like three yeah. days? This was. I, I mean, I guess if you were at a camp and that's all you have to do. Uh, I guess I could see that. Do like a morning, afternoon, and then evening practice. But that's but too much. You're gonna have nothing by that third. That practice. is the dated part Dude, of this you movie. Are it's like the, that is seven. That sounds like straight seventies, eighties Southern football practice, where it's like sports science. What's that? Get just get these boys running. <laughs> <laughs> Muscle recovery. What's that? 
It toughens just, you up. Eat, just get some get some raw eggs in that milk. And it's it's exhaustion training. We're gonna tire you out, and yeah, then we the start training. You see only today, and like so a kid gets injured or like in very rare cases dies because of like I didn't he didn't get water breaks and had to run three miles in the fucking hundred degree yeah. heat. I I need to. I need to exhaust your fucking body before I fill your mind with these complex plays that I need you to memorize. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's the other thing. Football's like not. Football's there's, not there's a, a dumb lot to sport. it. Yeah. Even even for I remember playing as like a tackle. Even, uh, even for like the linemen who are just like the beefheads. I mean, look, are, I'm a pretty you know, smart guy. I've got an engineering degree. Um. Some of the disguised coverages going from like a cover one look rotating into a Tampa two look is like super complicated to and, I mean, explain. He kind of speaks to that in the movie where he's like, <laughs> so, "Yo, you guys got to remember your blocking assignments. You got to remember. You got to know these plays. Yeah, you know, there's a lot about the the mental it's, kind of part it's of football." The plays. As a defensive, yeah, as a defensive back, you gotta know like your zone. You gotta know your assignment, where you hand off, and who you hand off to. Um, and that, and as linemen, if you if you don't remember exactly how everybody's supposed to be blocking, and you you let's say go the other way, you think it's a simple like left versus right kind of thing. You get that mixed up. You're bumping into and you your just ruined your to yeah you. your or, defensive move. Or or if you or if you pull the wrong way, if you if you're not supposed to pull, you're supposed to block down, and the other guy's pulling over to your side, you can run right into this fucking guy. I've seen that. I've seen that happen even at the NFL level. Two guys bonk into each other, and then the edge rusher can go free because they yeah. no longer are engaged. It, it's it's. Uh, it or you could pull into the back. running back who's trying to like, go through the hole that was on the other side. One person's mistake can blow up an entire play. So it, it is a it is a mentally taxing sport mm. as well. Uh, so so running these guys to point of exhaustion and then and on the top of that having expecting them to like memorize all these plays is you know maybe on three days not <laughs> yeah. the best uh, and he threatened, he threatens four days but, yeah he threatens like, four days and it's mm-hmm. like hey yeah. there's cruel and unusual punishment there's a line between mm-hmm. that and the, you're, you're flirting with it that was like, practicing more isn't accurate. going to make us better well, yeah i guess it was, <laughs> really was just a punishment just, to be like yo if you guys don't can't get your shit together and uh learn just do the cursory learn something about each other, then you're gonna have problems. Um, and it was very, like, it was a very brutal, brutal, tough love sort of uh, threat, but it seemed to work. And, and you know, and I'll say the the uh, like the like the reward sit like kind of situation versus like punishment is not like an entire practice or running a mile. It's like. It's it's basically if you got to do an extra lap, that could be your punishment, or that could be the team's punishment. It's extending a already existing training situation to be even longer, or to just like push it that extra mile just to be extra. Because then when you shorten it as a reward, it is that much more gratifying. Um, so it's there's some there's probably some like science psychological science into that. What yeah, delayed gratification. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh there, there were definitely some things that made me chuckle and uh made me made me triggered from <laughs> some of this. I saw these I saw those up downs and I had yeah I that had, seems like uh, a pretty flashbacks. visceral like, Vietnam flashbacks I feel I don't know what that hurts that's gotta hurt everything legs arms 
core, right? That just that's yeah. the kind of thing that gets you sore and vomiting. Um, yeah. It's great. Feeling um, that twinge in your lower back after doing W hmm. drills for like but three man, hours. Nothing else to establish Denzel's character, uh, Coach uh, Boone, as a total hard ass. Um, and he carries for that sure. through the season, which is it's a good character to see of, of him, like his his relentless determination. And um, you see him like under the pressure and he's not he's he has to carry it as best he can because he has that image of of um of black people that he has to hold up and be a symbol of for the whole town you know he's got the pressure of his community he's got the pressure of the football community on him um and it creates that's that's a great driver um and he has to not he also notably doesn't like put that on his students directly like they never know about it they never hear about it they just know that he really wants to win these games yes um yeah that's I mean, that kind of explains, you know, Jake was like, oh, he's, he's, you know, kind of a one note character in some ways. That's true. But like, you understand why he is that way, like all the time, because you see him even when they're having success, you know, he's being threatened. His life is being threatened. They're throwing bricks through his windows. He's got to stand up to all these different people and hold everything together for any reason. Yeah, it, 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 It was easy to forget, too, that that like. You got to keep in the back of your mind that if he loses the game, he's fired. He's got to move somewhere. His family just settled down. Like that is, he's still a person on the outside of football. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's it's easy to forget that these characters that they're playing um, do have like an outside life. Because um, you you think, oh, he's just a football coach. That's it. Um, and and winning ain't everything. But to him. And his lifestyle and his his day to day is what really matters to him. Uh, that that is pretty yeah pretty important to like maintain this job, maintain this security for his family, uh, and mm-hmm. safety for his family too. His family and the part. But they eventually had to put like a sheriff like tagging him around after the brick went through. Yeah, the window. he gets he chafes it. He's like, oh man, do I really need to have the national guard? I can't have the national guard like. Yeah. Uh, posted up by me and it's showing weakness by proxy there. And it's like very complex, you know, those kind of dynamics. Um, and it's rubbing off on like uh, Coach Yost, Coach Yost, where he gets like one slice of that and he's like, he gets, it just totally uh, flips him uh, right around where he's like, you can't do, you know, you got to keep my daughter safe. You got, you know, you can't have her be in this. And he's like, welcome to one day in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was really pivotal. I think that was a good point in the movie where it was like it's it's understandable to to recognize Yost's concern for like his daughter's well being, but on the other hand, hey, this is what these people like experience mm-hmm. in, on the day to day. It's like, and that's that's them. like so, whoa, yeah. the discre- you know they didn't they didn't use the term in the two thousands, but that's white privilege, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was good. He had a great character where he had to learn to give up his you know his the legacy he was creating with this team was greater than his personal legacy in the hall of fame uh and it was true you know that's what we remember for today not as a virginia hall of famer uh for high school yeah whatever that is um the one thing that i will say that brings this movie down a little bit is uh the little miss coach and the, the kid characters i think that was that yeah. feels very Disney to me, where they 
they said, here, we got to put in these two kind of comic relief side characters that are going to kind of orbit the plot. Um, with um, Coach Coach Boone's daughter and Coach Yost's daughter um, as like the, the lighthearted comic uh, sort of element to it. And I just don't think they add a whole lot to the scenes. Uh, I would agree, but at the end of the day, this is a Disney movie, and so Disney's yeah. going to Disney. Yeah. And Disney Disney'd <laughs> all over that. Uh, so the, I'm reading through some of the uh, the real life trivia um, about this because it, it reminds us in the very beginning that this was depicted in a real life movie or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. Based on a true story. One of the older based based on true true stories. And uh, so there, there's some interesting stuff with um, Bill Yost. uh, So the uh, and his daughter Cheryl. So something they didn't touch on in the movie was that he like divorced his wife, and he actually had four daughters total, uh, but they only show the Mm -hmm. one. Um, And the three girls, um, or they, they all actually, I think, lived with their mom. Uh, while Cheryl at least attended all of the football games, so that's why they like included just her in it as like the little coach. Um, but unfortunately, in 1996, a mere four years I think before this movie came out, um, Cheryl died <laughs> due oh. to a heart oh, condition geez. at 34. No. Um, and and that was kind of kind of unfortunate. Yo, wait. Uh, but yeah, she's very the fuck supportive. Up. So I'm looking at this just so I can grab all the the cast and crew while we're looking at trivia. This has a fucking 48 on Metascore. What the fuck? It it's because I and a lot of times movies like this do get hit with the lower critical scores because they're perceived as being overly sentimental or cliched. Or pandering. Yeah, I can see that. This really but definitely it, wasn't so like a mushy, f- touchy feely kind of movie. In the same way that like no, the people people gripe about this shit all the time. Yeah. It's I could see them. I could see them picking on like trying to fit all the you know controversial issues. Other than like there were there was a little bit of like um, you know what would it be? Uh, I guess like feminist role. Uh, what's the ideal feminism role for for women with the girls like saying oh I only play with dolls and then the Cheryl being like I football's everything um, and I don't play with dolls. Meanwhile, then they try to touch on the gay stuff with like the the new QB coming from California and he goes up and kisses um, um, uh, uh, mm. J- uh, Jerry, or Gary. Yeah, uh, G- Gary. Yep. Um, Gary. Yeah. Uh, so he goes up and kisses him, and they they, they think that that's an issue, and um, they kind of resolve that real quick. It, I don't know how much it adds to the the movie, but it was just like kind of thrown in there. Yeah, I, it, for what it's movie. worth, it's got a seventy two percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and a seven point eight at ten on IMDb. So okay, sometimes Metacritic scores just a bit yeah. lower. Um, audiences love it as 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 expected. It's yeah. a um, yeah, I think this is an everyday movie or every, every man every man movie that kind of would cater to them more than it would be like maybe the critics. 
Yeah, you got a powerhouse uh, Denzel Washington performance uh, one there. One thing and, that uh, I really like is a small thing, but I want to add it in here, make sure I mentioned it, was like they they just sort of casually threw a real nice dagger at ableism in this movie about racism. There's just like one scene that's also like really good as a, a equal like handicapped kind of support argument where so Gary gets he gets caught in a car crash um, and is wheelchair bound. You know, he's a paraplegic um, and they have that scene where mm-hmm. like it's it starts out as like, oh, this is a tragedy. This is the third act twist where everything kind of falls apart. But instead of that happening, um, he's like he's he shows that same relentless optimism. He's like, Coach Yost, don't pray for me. This is not the time for like praying self-reflection. I was looking they for people who do wheelchair sports. They got Olympics. And I was like. Yes, bro. He's he's got that. He yeah, wants then, to. He's not held back. He's like he wants to go forward to it. And they showed after that he was a he was a, yeah, a Paralympian, yeah. like top wheelchair. Yeah. I'm like yes, that's the that's the relentless optimism that's in the rest of this movie. Yeah, Dude, it fucking killed me. I didn't realize he yeah he died. And by a, by again by a drunk driver, oh. which is yeah Wait. yeah. That's Wait, like really? getting hit by lightning twice. Yeah, it was. Oh, I missed. I mi- I thought. I thought it was just due to complicated. Nope. I thought he died, but I didn't he see. He got hit by a drunk oh, driver. Fuck. After he get hit by another driver, it's Christ. like it's fucking heartbreaking. Like yeah, There's that's like magnet. dude, that fucking <laughs> don't play the lottery. <laughs> don't fucking drink and drive. Christ. That's so sad. Yeah, that is that goes without saying, but I think. We've said all we we oh, need yeah. to say about um, this. Movie. If you don't remember the Titans, um, go and watch it. Like shit, I this was I will say this was my first time watching this movie, uh, and it really surprised me with with just the really effective storytelling that it had. You know, accessible. Yeah, it's but uh, still impactful, it w- and with a really good message. It's a movie I I recommend that. Pretty much everyone see it at least once, um, just so you know. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sanderson's Podcast. We'll be back next week with another review. And until that time, be well, stay safe, and probably like it's Peace. 1995. Bye-bye.